evening and welcome back to the Evermore YouTube channel. It's Chris and Mark back on a Monday night. Yes, it's Monday night. I'm still annoyed from Saturday. We're about to get right into this in a minute. It's what's going on. What's going on with you, Mark? I'll tell you what's going on with me in a minute. I'm still fizzing. But what's going on with you, mate? Half-term week. You keeping busy? Uh, yeah, well, I, start, I started the weekend with a migraine that's lasted for a couple Ooh. of days. I'm over that now. I think most of it was due to, due to football. Um, if you've, anybody's watched the Everton Palace game tonight, they'll have one after watching it because it is just the dullest thing on the planet. <laughs> well, I, I have a migraine from Saturday and one was uh, playing left back and the other one was playing right wing, apparently. So uh, we're about <laughs> to get stuck into that, I'm pretty sure. But as we always say before we get stuck in, if you're new to the channel, check us out for the first time. Hello, good evening. Please click that button. We'd love you to come and join us. We've just gone over 6,600 subs. So thank you so much, you wonderful people. We are closing in on that 7K. I've got a great prize for the 7K giveaway. So keep smashing that button, recommending us to family and friends. Get us there and you can enter into the prize for an absolute belter of a draw. We are live tonight, as always. Look, Mark's just changed the button in the corner there. He loves clicking his little buttons. He loves changing the backgrounds, does Mark. That's why he was two minutes late, Kevin, in the comments. I saw you, I saw you. Uh, but no, we're, we're, we're all ready to go. We are ready to rock, Kevin. We'll make up for them two minutes. But we are live tonight, as always. Bang a comment, and loads of you are already in the comments, and I'm sure we've got plenty to talk about, and we're going to get stuck right in. Roger's in the house. Good to see you, Roger. Ian is there. Kev is there as well, and he's already sick of Eddie and sick of Dan, so that is a great way to kick us off with Kev. <laughs> this one is going to be therapeutic for you, I'm sure, Bonnie Lad. But let's get stuck right in. So the first category, Mark, really, is not good enough. Now, anyone who's watching the channel noticed that I wasn't here on Saturday post-match. Mark was here. She had a bit more of a calmer... Subtle change there. Calmer, calmer, relaxed post-match <laughs> analysis. So I, was, I was away. I, had, I was actually in the town. I had, I had other plans. I was going to see a comedian with my old man for an early birthday present, which was funny, nearly as funny as the defendant from Newcastle United. Uh, I, I didn't say my dad in a way because I did watch the, the second half as we uh, we pulled up and had a pint before the, the gig. Um, what's going to be funny, this comedian or the defence? And it was a surefire, the Newcastle United defence. But just before I get you in here, Mark, you know, the title is not good enough. And quite frankly, for me, it wasn't good enough at all. You know, we've been on for a couple of minutes now, so I'm comfortable enough to swear it was shite is what it was. It was absolutely shite. I watched that team lineup. I looked at that team lineup and you're talking about injuries and, you know, Callum Wilson's injured again, which isn't surprising. It's, like I said before, it's the it become more of a popular sentence and do you want fries with that because he's injured all the time. Isaac's knackered again, so there's no surprise there as well. But with that team that went out, that team on paper should have been able to beat Bournemouth at home in front of 52,000 mad Geordies. I, would, I wouldn't say easily, but they should have been able to win that game. And I'm looking at the stats. I know we're going to pick this out in a minute, but we had loads of the ball. Overall, the whole game, we had 63% possession, 17 shots, five of them on target, 10 of them off target. Watch out for your cars if you're part near the ground, by the way. Um, compared to, to Bournemouth, I had 12 shots, seven on target, and only four off target. We were shocking. We were terrible. Attacking-wise, there was nothing there. You know, all of this, Anthony Gunn's a striker. He's not a striker whatsoever. Watch that game if you think he's a striker and then come back and tell me he's a striker because he's fucking not a striker. He's a very talented left winger who can weave in and out of different positions. But if you watch that game and Mark said it so brilliantly in the post-match, he was creating space that nobody filled. Nobody filled, right? And we're going to get into these individual players in a minute. But when one of his teammates is so fucking clueless, he's like a dog chasing a tennis ball down the beach. I'm not surprised that he can't fill in that space that Anthony Gordon is leaving. I'm not going to go hard on Harvey Barnes. He's still trying to find his fitness. Good player, but nowhere near Matt Sharp yet. Can't be too harsh on him. Um, 
But the team in total was dreadful. You know, shaky defensively, absent in midfield for a lot of it, um, with exception Louis Miley, which we'll get onto in a minute. But you are not going to finish in European football. I'm going to get this right out now, Mark. I will take a breath and let you talk in a minute, I promise. Um, <laughs> we will not finish in a European spot if we can't beat Forest, Luton and Bournemouth at St James's Park. And that is factual, mate. Over to you and I will breathe. Uh, yeah, I, I think you're, you're bang on. I think you, you can't be harsh with Barnes. I thought Barnes played all right, to be fair. I think his movement was good. He was being asked to play in a position, particularly in the second half, that isn't isn't his at all. Um, Gordon, we know, isn't a centre-forward. If anything, he's going to play that withdrawn sort of striker role that, he, that he's played for England um, at, at most. But he, he wants to be wide. He wants to be running at players and create space. Um, the trouble is when he was doing that, when he was pulling left, when he was pulling right, there was nobody in the middle that was really gambling on on getting into to those sort of areas, um, and, and that that was so. I think that the word in the comments was ineffective. It's absolutely the right one. I, I thought Bruno was what is it kind of industrious best. I thought he he was of everybody. He was trying the most to make something happen. I thought Miley was was excellent defensively, that midfield still is a huge concern, despite the changes, despite the fact that Miley's dropped into that middle gap. If you if you look at the, the heat maps and the the average position in Sean Longstaff's deeper, but he's not disciplined enough to play that, that um, defensive midfield role. It, it just was was poor. The and, and the defence as a whole, I think, were Chippy didn't have a bad game, but Dan Byrne was was awful for for spells of it. I, I thought he was he was very poor. I, I thought Botman had one of his poorest games for the club, um, and Miggy I thought was just a complete waste of space on, on Saturday. I, I really do. I know he has his backers. I know people love it that he that he tries so hard, but he was just awful. Um, and and goes goes to show what a lot of, of that people sort of said about him is just that he he doesn't have any football in IQ. He doesn't know what to do with the, with the ball and an awful lot of time. He he will train for certain things. He will do certain things. He knows that Trippy is going to over, overlap, but put him in another position, and he suddenly it, it's like a rabbit in headlights. It really is. And there are a couple of examples of of, of sort of just him and and him running with his head down constantly. It, it's it for a what is he, 29-30 now, for that age of player to be running around with his head glued to his feet is shocking. Absolutely shocking. Well, we'll get into that in a bit more detail in a minute. It's um, it's schoolboy stuff, it really is. It's the kind of stuff you're taught uh, when you're in primary school. Get your head up, look around for players. You know, um, if in doubt, put it out. All these basic football things you get taught as a kid. This guy doesn't seem to understand. He doesn't seem to get it whatsoever. And, and I really don't understand how a professional footballer of 29 and 30 is um <laughs> is is having that going through his brain so for some reason my computer was sticking there as you could tell by the slight panic on my face but we will get into the manager in a minute jt tune that was a great comment from you i was going to pull it up but mark, mark was on a roll uh, we'll get stuck into Eddie how in a minute because i'm frustrated with Eddie how as well right and unlike other channels we're not going to sit here and, and, and blow smoke up the manager's arse and we feel like he is he is causing some troubles for himself I'm not saying any out, neither is Mark, but we are going to have our say about this in a minute because this needs to be said and more people need to say it and the, the journalists need to pull them on it as well because it's getting fucking 
ridiculous from the manager. It really, really is. But going back to the game in itself, Mark, the first half, I thought we had enough of the ball. Like you said, we'll get into Louis in a minute because I thought out of everybody, he stood out by a country mile. Uh, weirdly enough, not according to the sofa score, who gave Miguel Almer on a higher score. Worked that out. I mean, that must have been a Paraguayan that was doing the sums that day, I think. But but um, Louis was great. But, but like you say about Sean as well, there's, there's moments in games with Sean. It's not consistently throughout the game. You know, he hits a great pass to Miggy, which I think we've got a slide for in a minute, uh, which Miggy then totally fluffs. But Sean hits a beautiful pass cuts right through the middle of the Bournemouth team. And he's capable of that sometimes. You know, he makes a great run from a ball from Bruno, but he just he almost takes his eye off the ball. He's not got the pace to catch it, run and square onto it. If he ran at an angle and just nicked it out to the side, he, he probably would have been able to find some space and then somebody could have run in the middle of the box. But it's almost like his brain wasn't quite engaged in it. So Sean has a lot of attributes in the game. But I think the problem is he's, he, he's stuck almost between a rock and a hard place. And, and quite frankly, and I love the lad, he's an honest player, right? But he's not hes not Bruno. He's not good enough to, in the middle of a game, go from being a six to an eight. Sean has to pick a spot in midfield and decide which midfielder that he is because he can't drift between the two. He's not got the, you know, the, the discipline, as you say, Mark, to stay at the back and sit. Weirdly enough, in that first half, Louis might look like he did have that discipline, didn't he? He was sitting right far back. He was making some tackles. You know, I mean, if you look at you know Louis' stats individually, you know, I know I'm kind of jumping the gun a little bit here, but I mean, the, the, the boy made six tackles in the game. Do you know what I mean? So, so he was he was winning the ball, whereas Sean was just kind of up and down and left and right and all over the place, but without running with any real purpose. And and you know, we're going to get into players coming back in a minute, but. It was so frustrating, just, just I suppose, just to kind of close on the game itself before we get into all these other bits we're going to talk about. But but the game itself, Bournemouth on a great side, right? We made them look better. They came to St. James's Park. They played right through us. Um, Solanke he was dangerous. He gave Botman and Cher a terrible time. And to be fair, the Bravka, he got a lot of shit for the slip for the goal, which I know you were, you know, obviously, as a goalkeeper's union, Mark, but, but quite rightly, you were uh, you were very kind to him on. Um, I think Botman hits the back pass to him a little bit, a little bit crisp. I think, you know, obviously, his foot and just goes under him. The, you know, the ground was wet, it was raining a little bit and all that stuff. Um, and he goes down and that kind of thing can happen, you know. But if the Bravka doesn't make those two saves from Solanke in the first half, Mark, that are great saves, we lose this game comfortably, don't we? Never mind, draw it. Yeah, I mean, there's two, there's two saves. There's the one later on from Lewis Cook as well that he pushes away in, and um, I, th I think there's another one as well. So, I mean, yeah, could when you're looking at it, you're looking at potentially four or five, and you go, what what on earth is going on when when Bournemouth and look, they've they've played well, they've they've done really really well over over the last few months, but they shouldn't be coming to St James's Park and potentially scoring four or five goals. But it, I mean, it's just not. It just shouldn't be happening, um, and and there's a, an awful lot going wrong tactically, and I know we'll we'll come to Eddie, but I just think there's an awful lot wrong there. Where and I, I've said it at the weekend, I said it last week, Newcastle aren't setting up for the team ahead of them. They're setting up no. for themselves. They're setting up for what's gone on in the past almost, and even with the injury nightmare that's gone on. There's still options to be able to to change things, changing personnel, even with the limited ones that you've got. There are still options there. Um, yeah. While I'm screaming out from the bench and just not not being used at the moment, it, it just beggars belief. Uh, I mean, we'll talk about that now. 
before we, we talk about the other players and in particular and point out their their kind of deficiencies that seemingly the manager is, is either incapable of seeing or chooses not to see. But if you're Lewis Hall and you're on that bench and you've played 12 times for Chelsea and, and you've played Champions League football and all that stuff and you see fucking Joe Lewis come on ahead of you and Matt Ritchie come on ahead of you. He had to put his dentures in and he put his fucking, what's that um, that joint cream on that you put on? What was it called? Ultra, <laughs> I can't remember what it's called. Ultra ball or something. I don't know what it was. Voltarol. You know, that's a Voltarol. That's what I mean. said Voltarol there. Um, but, you know, yeah, I know Richie scores the goal and fair play Richie come on with a little bit of gusto. He, you know, he added something to the game. I'll give him that. But when you're Lewis Hall and you're looking at a kid who's been on loan at Crew coming on ahead of you, surely he's got to be saying to his agent, what the fuck am I doing here, man? Like, I'm not getting any game time at all. You know, I, I read a, a piece from, uh, I think it was Mark Douglas, and it's nice to see some press and some journalism on the Lewis Hall scenario. And, and, and the story is, is that, you know, we will be a Newcastle player apparently next season, that they think really high level behind the scenes, but Eddie's holding him back because there's certain parts of his game that he's not sure of and all that stuff, right? He can fucking run for one, right? So that puts him ahead of one left back we've got, that's for sure, right? You know, he's got a one of a left peg on him. We know he can get a goal. We saw that against Manchester United. So what the fuck is the problem with this kid sitting on the bench? It's really starting to do my nothing. I know some journalists have asked the question, right? But somebody needs to point blank, put Eddie Howe on the spot and say, what's going on here with this lad? And if, it, if I was that lad's agent, I'd be kicking his fucking door through. Ask him what's going on. I really would. It's yeah. I think Kevin's put in that in the chat there. I think Hall was Nashworth play. I, I think that that's kind of the the overriding theory with this is is the it fact seems that, to be that this this fallout between between Eddie and um and, and Dan Ashworth and, and he immediately doesn't want to use them because they're his 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 choices his players. It's I mean it's ludicrous when you think he's he hasn't done badly when he's played. He'd certainly give you a lot more movement, a lot more mobility for in that position. Um, but I mean, I just can't get my head around the the fact that you sit there week after week watching Tino Livramento sit on the bench when he's played so well when he's played in that position. Yeah, and he's still not getting a, a, an opportunity. Um, I, I agree with Keith there. I think the way he's been I, getting treated is appalling. I really do. I, I, do. I think it's shocking. I do. And, and the problem is at this point, he he then regresses. He he doesn't improve. He's he's not getting the, the maybe the support around him and stuff. So it just I just can't get my head around that one whatsoever. And this this reluctance to drop Dan Byrne, as as lovely a man as he might be, he's he is costing the team now week after week. Um he's not He's not a ridiculously bad footballer. He's a limited footballer. And in situations that work for him, he works really well. Look, when he's got the support around him, as of last season, it worked brilliantly because he had Joe Linton and Willock ahead of him, because he he got a settled defence and a goalkeeper behind that could that could really come out and, and play that sweeper role that you know he's not great with his feet, but he, he he's quick off his line. He reads the game really, really well. Liverpool game aside, we'll, we'll leave him that one out. Um, but that and there and that that goes into the Dubravka um, thing as well because that slip can happen to anybody. And and if he doesn't slip, nobody's talking about the Botman pass. So I'll give him a pass for that. But the the whole thing with with Dan Byrne and left back and and the, the lack of just anybody 
being able coming in for him. It, it just it doesn't make any sense whatsoever to keep going up against teams where they've got pacey right wingers and not giving him any support. You're hanging Dan Byrne out to dry. And it's not Dan Byrne's fault. It's really not. It falls down to the manager because he's not helping him out. He's not putting the team in a position to help his left back out. He's being isolated week after week. And we saw this week, it was a slightly different way of doing it. And he tried to he tried his best to kind of combat it, but it, it backfired. Well, just hold that thought for one second. Yeah. We'll, we'll step into the next section. Just to answer Abacus' question, I actually think he caught him in bed fucking misses how Abacus. That's the only reason why I think he's treating the kid the way he is, to be honest with you, because it's absolutely appalling, mate. It's appalling. But, but yeah, Mark, Mark's getting more revved up than I am here at the minute, so we're moving on to the manager here. So <laughs> stubborn, stubborn Eddie, and it kind of just plays off the back of what, what you were saying there, Mark, as well. Now, you know, yes, Newcastle have had injuries this season, right? Everyone knows that. And we've had ridiculous injuries. There was another injury at the weekend. Fabian Scher looks like he's done something to his arm. I reckon he could be out for weeks. So he'll be out again as well. And so these weird injuries that you have, just, you know, it's it's almost like there's a witch doctor somewhere that's just laughing, bending bending players' legs that, somewhere or whatever. That was such an odd one as well, because I hadn't even realised that, that he'd gone down. Right at the end of the game. Right at the end well, of the exactly. game. I, as soon as I heard the final whistle, I switched off and I got ready to do the post-match. So I didn't even see it. I w- went back and watched the game again today and, and looked and went, he took one in the arm. Just It was the last kick of the game. Takes one in the arm and all of a sudden he's sitting on the on the floor and he looked in agony. So God knows what what that one's going to going to mean um fuck, fuck knows fuck knows but i think i think it's going to be another another bad one but but going back to, the, to yes the injuries have been there and everything else i've said it mark said it other you know youtubers and podcasts have all said it right yes we've had injuries and everything else but there's no excuse other than the stubbornness of the manager for why he's continuously playing players that are off form players that are struggling players that are a year older, players that have come back from injuries and look a yard slower if they even had a fucking yard in the first place, you know, after having injuries. And he's, he's, he's causing more problems for himself. I've seen a comment there, I think it was from Kev, that said, why wouldn't the media put any pressure on him? Because he's a media darling anyhow, right? And you know what? He's earned that right. He, he took on the impossible challenge. Everybody signed our death warrant and he did the impossible. He didn't just save us from relegation. He qualified us for the Champions League, and he deserves every ounce of credit that's in that piggy bank, right? But credit erodes very, very fast, especially when you keep doing the same shit week in, week out. You know, it's the definition of madness, isn't it? Doing the same thing over and over again and getting it wrong. And there's two players in particular. If anyhow wants to build a hill to die on, that would be called Dan Burnhill and Miggy fucking Hill. That's what he's going to die on because he's picking these two players. As Mark just said, Burn is limited, right? Dan Burn, take away the Dan Burn, the bloke, right? Lovely bloke, black and white through and through. He's had, he's had the career. He's, he's gone, he's gone on the hard way, Mark, hasn't he? He was pushing yeah. trolleys at Asda when the same age as Louis Miley. You know, he's gone right through the leagues. He's worked his way back in Newcastle. He's a fantastic role model for kids who get released when they're younger and all that. He's a fantastic bloke, and he bleeds black and white, right? But he's getting older. That back injury is definitely setting back a bit, whether he's rushed himself back or whatever. He looks a yard off what he used to look like before. As you rightly said, Mark, we're missing key personnel in Joe Lipton and Joe Willick that covered a lot of his deficiencies last season. Go back and watch the games last season. Look how many times Joe Lipton and Joe Willick are next to him. And he's not getting beat by pace by fast players in the league. But this ain't happening this season, so he's getting done time and time again. But the art of good management is noticing your player is in a position where he is going to struggle. As you rightly said, Mark, don't put the guy through that. 
whether he's 21 or 31. Don't put him through it. Make a big decision. Grow a pair of nuts, Eddie, and take him out of the team and put Tino Livermento in because we'll all see what happens when you put Tino in. And listen, Tino will make some mistakes. Tino is a young lad, right? But Tino has the pace to, to combat against the, the very thing that Dan Burns kryptonite right now, which is pace. But he's not doing it. And one of the examples I think you had there, Mark, as well, just from, from, from the goal at the weekend, the second goal, we'll get into fucking Miggy in a minute. Jesus H. Christ. If anyone's got a heart condition, maybe go and pop some fucking calms or something, have a caramel tea, you know, when we're getting the Miggy arm on. But just on the Dan Berman mark, put up the second goal and just point out exactly what we're talking about here and why Eddie how even if he starts him, he has to take him off at half time. Clive did this to him earlier on, didn't he? The, the warning signs were there again and he still didn't do anything about it. Yeah, so the, the goal, I mean, we, the, the last few weeks, it, it's all been about pace, getting past him, getting run through him from, from high, um, from, from Burn sort of high position on, on the pitch. And and this time it, it was totally different because Dan Burn drops deeper and he allows Semenyo to pick the ball up sort of halfway through in the half. And you can sort of see the, the line of where Burn and, and he's sort of to shepherd Semenyo. And I kind of, I looked at that initially, and you go, "Yeah, that looks that almost looks decent position. Keep him within sort of a few yards where he's not going to burn past you, but you can shepherd him wide, keep him away from the goal." And and that initial setup, you go, "Okay, it gives the other defenders time to get to you. Can then take a step across and push him wider." The problem is, Dan Burn then completely allows Semenyo to come inside. He doesn't cut across him, but he, he must move at least two, three yards in, in field as he's running towards the goal, and he still gets no closer. And at that point, he then only decides to close him down as he goes to shoot. Now, it's a hell of a shot, and, and, I, and I'm against an awful lot of comments that I've seen that, that Nick Pope would, would save that shot. I don't think many goalkeepers in the world would save no, that he shot. Ca- he catches he, the keeper. I don't think the keeper's expecting the shot as early as it comes. I think he catches no, the he hits it so hard and he hits it so so well into the corner, then I, there's not many goalkeepers that will, will save that one. So, again, I, I don't put that one on Dubravka at all. That's on Dan Burns defending. He just allows him to get in, to move in field further than he really should. He should have kept him on the edge of that 18-yard that box. If he keeps him there, he doesn't get the shot in and he has to look for another option that allows Botman to get back. Because if you look at it, um, I'll go back to the image. Botman's almost back in position. Cher's taken yeah. up a good position to kind of cut off the, the attacker from the other side. And, and at that point, you go, well, yeah, if you're another two yards further wide, Dan Burn, that shot can't happen. And he just gave him far too much space and far too much time to just run towards the goal to be able to shoot. And it's just, he's overcompensated for his lack of pace by dropping deep, but then he's not got tight enough he's not he's not shepherded him away from the goal which is, is what he has to do mm. I agree with that comment from Ian he's from Blythe he's from Belfast he'd be out on his arse I think that is very true I think the, the Georgian nostalgia is definitely one of the biggest reasons that people wrap their arms around Dan Burn. Uh, Simon said he almost has sympathy with the Almond situation because he has so few options on the right I suppose you're right. Technically, you've got Jacob Murphy, and that's about it, really. And maybe Gordon, you can move over there. But the situation on left back is totally different. He's got not one but two options ahead of him. And Burn, I'd argue he's got three. I'd play, I'd play Dummett at left back over Burn. I really would, because you know, Dummett hasn't got a lot of pace, but Dummett seems to put himself in a really good position 
when he's up against people with speed positionally, he's very he's very clever as Domet. He always has been like that. Um, you know, he's a centre half probably more now, but but he knows he knows when to drop, he knows when to step out, as you said there in that slide mark. Burns in no man's land doesn't know where to go. And you made a comment about Botman having probably his worst game in a black and white shirt. And I agree with you. It's no coincidence that he's probably rattled at how bad Burns playing. So I think Botman's almost got one eye on Burns' spot and one eye on his, on his own trying to do it himself. Whereas if you put a better left-back option in there, someone who can hold the position or has got the pace to get himself out of trouble, you know, and out of the two players, right? I know we've been talking about Lewis Hall, right? But out of the two players, Tino was definitely the one who goes in because Tino's better defensively. What I love about Hall in terms of his speed and his ability to attack defensively still looks a bit naive. I remember the Dortmund game and when the ball bounced, he looked the wrong way. He lost his man. That's why he got hooked. But isn't it interesting, though, going back to the stubbornness of the manager? It's okay for me to hook these 17, 18-year-old kids. Why are you hooking these 30-odd-year-old players? And Trippier as well when he was having a fucking mare. Grow a pair of balls, Eddie. You know, you don't want to upset your click, right? Look at the fucking results. We're not winning games, right? Yes, we're still sitting in seventh, but I think you rightly so said this, Mark, in the post-match as well. We're sitting in seventh. It's masking our, our position, in my opinion, because other teams around us are having shit results and, and, and weird kind of out-of-the-blue results. One minute they're good, one minute they're, they're losing games they shouldn't do. And it's almost like a mirror of last season. The reason we finished in the Champions League spots last season, yes, we did well, right? We surprised everybody. We didn't have Champions League to worry about and all that stuff we went out the cup early. So we only really had the league to worry about. But one of the biggest reasons we finished fourth last season because Liverpool had a fucking mare. Chelsea had a mare. Spurs had a mare. You know, if them three teams had been on it, we would have been a top four mark last season, you know, even with no. the way we were playing. No, pro probably not. Um, as, as Joe Linton there points out, eighth, eighth, not seventh. <laughs> Sorry, Joe. We dropped you. And, Always and relying you to get a tackle, right, Joe? <laughs> and to be fair as well, there's only then, what, two points between Newcastle and eighth and Wolves in, in 11th? So, yeah. you know, good result for three of the teams below and then all of a sudden you're sitting in the bottom half of the league and, and, and it looks much, much worse. Um, I yeah, think we will. I, I think we'll drop into the bottom half. Uh, just just quickly, uh, Roger's saying, yeah, BDB should move the half-time. So I had to pull his comment up. Kev saying, Clive, Patrick's son was playing against us. He was, and he rang a lot more than his fucking father did because he was more interested in going to the big market than he was looking to James's Park when he was here. <laughs> was all Paddy K, right? So sorry about God, I'll get you back. Yeah, in. no, no. To be honest, I, I've been interested to see how Clive has got on because he came with all this promise and it didn't really yes. happen. Um, and he's starting to see flashes of it. So it, it is interesting to see how, how he does go. But, you know, that's for a different podcast. Um, yeah, I lost my thought train. Miggy yeah. Almiron. Miggy Almiron. Let's get into Miggy first. So ju just, just before we get into these slides, right? Now, <laughs> Christ almighty. Miggy Almiron is one of them guys that... Oh, the only time people talk about Mickey, he, ru he runs for the team and he smiles a lot, basically, right? But if you want that, go go, go buy a fucking hyena and put that on the right wing because that'll probably do about as good of a job <laughs> as this plug is in a minute. Mark's about to give you some real tactical analysis on how fucking brain dead this player is, right? Honestly, if I had Dorothy's number, I'd ask her to take this prick to Oz and go get a brain from the wizard because he doesn't have one, and he hasn't had one ever since he's been here. I was watching the lads at the Tomb Review, great stuff the Tomb Review guys do. I was on there with them a, a few weeks back there, and I think Paul said it, that Almiron's got I think, less assists in his whole fucking career than Trippier has in this one season, and that's a right winger. 
Like, how many more excuses are people going to make for this player? Yes, he runs around everywhere, but he's not fucking good enough. We should assign somebody to a level up from him in the summer. He should have been a squad player. He should have been somebody you bring off the bench. You know, when you've got injured strikers, you can play him through the middle. Just let him run around, maybe he'll win a pen or something like that. You know, he shouldn't have been who you were pegging your hopes on, but he is. I don't know whether it's because of, because of Darren Eels has got a semi on from because of his time in America or whether it's because Eddie Howe thinks all of a sudden he, he sprinkled the stardust on him and he's become, you know, fucking Ryan Giggs or David Beckham overnight. He hasn't. He did it with Joe Linton, Eddie, and fucking credit, you know, credit to you, mate, because that was unbelievable, right? But you ain't done it with this bloke. He's fucking clueless. And Mark is about to tell you exactly why he's clueless, Eddie. So grab a pen well, in your scrapbook and write this down, Edward, because he's about to tell you the crack. Well, let's just go back to the comment you said before about the, the Trippier um, assist thing. And, and you, you, you're absolutely bang on the money because Almon has six assists in the Premier League in 169 games. Rancid. Rancid. Absolutely. Abysmal. He has six assists in the other 30 games that he's played, all in cup competitions, one of those being in the Champions League, bizarrely, but six assists. The most assists he's ever had in a season is two. He's done that twice, once in 1920, and, and he got two last season as well. The previous season, uh, he's got one this season. A couple of seasons ago, he got zero. And the first season he was in the league, he got zero. It's just an appalling record for for a, a wide forward to have six assists. It's shocking, absolutely shocking. Um, and and part of the reason is is he plays with his head down, um, and it and it's it, it's unbelievable the the amount of of chances that go begging because Almiron just cannot lift his head. Um, there is a funny moment, and, and I say funny moment. But you have to go back and watch like kind of the rerun of the game if you can if tragically you can find it funny on, on some of the sites. <laughs> but the first one and and this this comes um I can't remember which part of the sort of early-ish. And he, he sort of Almoron cuts in and he's got the perfect opportunity to, and he, he's had about 10 yards from, from this. He has about he has this perfect opportunity as Barnes is screaming into the box. To just lay a simple two or three yard pass into Bond. Murphy, Murphy plays it, that. Murphy plays that ball, in my opinion. I think every other player on the field plays that pass. But if you look at Almiron there, his head is down. He doesn't even know Harvey Barnes is there. He hasn't got a clue. If you move then on in this same motion, he then gets to the edge of the box. Barnes has made his run and pulled up, pulled the defender with him. Anthony Gordon's then on the edge of the box completely on his own. Has Mickey seen him? No, Mickey's still looking at his feet. He's still got his head down. He still doesn't know what's going on around him. Again, at this point, all he does is he he puts the ball over the bar. Um, he had a, another went, couple Gordon of shots. Mad. Where, Watch that back, Gordon. Oh, went yeah, mad Gordon was going spare. If I was Harvey Barnes at that point, I think I'd have lynched him. I'd have, um, I'd have squared up them. <laughs> this is a. This is at 1-1. I'm um, oh, sorry, that, that first one, that was right at the start of the second half. And I said early on, it was the start of the second half, not the first half, obviously. This one was about, what's that, about 12, 12 30 minutes later. And again, the ball comes across sort of from the left-hand side. He, he's got acres and acres of space. He should be absolutely aware of who's around him. He's 30 yards from goal. He's got three players in, in the way of his shot at goal. And he shoots... And Trippier is 
burning down that right hand side to get in the box. He's got that's, an that's open the ball, isn't it? That's the ball. Either an open shot or a ball into the box to a better place player, and he shoots. And look, again, look, it's look just a, look at Barnes, massive. Look at Barnes's movement there. Sorry, mate, just in between the the, the defence. So if if Almond had a fucking brain, he, he plays in Trippier. That's Barnes is in Barnes yeah. is inside that gap. Barnes is inside that gap for a tapping. That's what look at his body shape. He's already moving. If you can, yeah, you can see the body shape of the defender as well. If if that ball is played well to Trippier, it's in front of Trippier to play first time across the edge of the six yard box for for Harvey Barnes to be running onto, and and that's and that's the level of of. Um, uh, the lack of, of awareness that, that Almoran has. And like I say, the, the funny part, if you can see it as that, is you, you constantly see Mickey run like this. He's, he's constantly running and going. He's got no awareness because his head goes up and down. It's not going, it's not looking around. In the second half, no, sorry, the I think it's the first half, towards the end of the first half, he runs down the left-hand side. And as he runs, you can see him physically trying to strain his head to stay up. As if he's been told to, to keep it up, and he, he but he keeps it up like almost looking up into the sky, mm. not keeping his head up and, and you know just, on a swivel so he knows what's around him. He's, he's physically mental. trying to just keep his his head like that, but then when it comes to play the ball, his head just goes straight back down again. I have never seen a footballer with such lack of awareness of his own feet. I've seen kids. I've seen kids play better, play play better than that. They better have the pace and the you know the, the ability to strike a ball and everything else. But in terms of the, their awareness and their head up and looking around the pitch, I've seen kids play better than that. Just this comment from Dean: "There's no one else if Murphy's unfit. There's not only Miggy Dean. I would play Team Livermore right wing and Lewis Hall left back. I would do that. Bring some fucking pace into the team. You know that's what I would do. Um, I got no problem with, with with that at all. I think Miggy is so useless now that it just it doesn't even bear thinking about. There was a comment there from Davey as well about Byrne. Uh, he said, Dan Byrne is very imposing uh, on corners and set pieces, both defending and attack. Hang on, Mark, you know where I'm going to go with this because nobody else has mentioned this and all the post-match stuff I've seen. Uh, I'm sticking up from a bit, but of course, one-on-one, uh, -on -one, he's not very clever. So if you want to have a look at how not very clever Dan Byrne really is, Davey, go back and watch the first half. There's a little bit of play on the edge of the box. I think it might be between Gordon, Miley, maybe Barnes. Bruno then bursts into the box, little one-two. And there's a through ball in there, and you're thinking Bruno's in, albeit for the six foot odd daft blithe bastard that he runs right into, like the fucking 308, pulling into the haymarket. What is he even doing there? Get out the fucking way. You know, yes, he's trying to attack, but Bruno is the player to get in and have a shot. Get out of his fucking way. You go back and watch other teams that get out of the attacking player's way. That could have been a goal, and he got in the way. That's how clever Burn is in the box, mate, in my opinion. Shouldn't yeah, he be there? He's I, I mean, I get the point from from corners. He, he is imposing. He goes how. I, I have an issue in the fact that he, he he doesn't get his head on the ball enough. He doesn't. Um, how many headers does he get? How many headers does he score? For, for me, I, I, I've said this from day one. When he's he doesn't seem to read the ball in the air very well at all. He gets he goes over him or he gets underneath it so many times. Um. But that that moment where I think it was it was Barnes and Bruno on the edge of the box, and you you see Burn make that run through the gap, and you, and you, we've seen this from quite a few sort of the kind of inverted fullbacks that kind of run in. I, I know um, Destiny and Doug, <laughs> <laughs> um, Destiny and Doug he's, a, he's actually got a, he's got a bag of crisps under the the desk. You can't see he's just dropped away there, mate. So, <laughs> sorry, mate. 
Um, yeah, Destiny, a, a doggy, makes that sort of run. But he generally doesn't run into his own players. Um, he, he has to be able to read what's going on in front of him. And you can see Bruno's movement. It's such an obvious one-two play. And he just runs, gets gets himself. And, so, and I mean, again, um, I said this about, about Barnes and, and Miggy before I'd have lynched him. How Bruno doesn't swing at him is beyond, beyond me. Um, I don't get mad at him. Honestly. Just unbelievable. Um, the other, the other side, uh, uh, sort of talking about discipline midfielders, just how disciplined is is Bruno playing at the moment with him with him being on, on that yellow card. I've got to give him a huge amount of credit for that because there's a there's a, a few tasty tackles going in on on Saturday, um, and he held himself really really well. He did. I mean, I mean to be to be fair as well. Um, I think he will get booked against Arsenal because he always gets a bit raged up against Arsenal. Does uh, does uh, does, does Bruno? Yeah, George appreciates the three the three oh eight comment. Absolutely, that's about the only other biggest thing I've seen going from Newcastle to Blythe on a regular occasion, mate. But uh, and funny enough, it's all it's always fucking late as well. The three oh late echo. It's just like Ben. <laughs> on the um, I was going to say on the on the subject of tasty tackles. Can anyone explain to me how that's not a yellow oh, card as well, please? Jesus, the ref, the that ref. Was, the Honestly, that was that was Senesi on uh, like in the forty seventh minute. Um, that's I mean that's a yellow card all day long. It, I mean his initial contact is up around the knee. He then scissors his leg. That should have been yellow card one. He was then booked in the fifty first minute for a, for a charge on or a block on Bruno. That should have been Senesi off the field. It was I mean the referee had an absolute shocker in the first half. He, he left his cards at home because. Oh, there were did. there were five challenges that should have been yellow cards, and he only booked one. Yeah, but it's, it's happening. It's happening week in week out. I mean, even look at the Holgate tackle. It initially, gives him a yellow card. It's not until he goes to VAR, um, he realizes, oh my god, he's just done a fucking Mortal Combat finish and move on the bloke. I better give him a red card. But the initial reaction is to give him a yellow, and it's just it's just shocking. Simon's just uh, agree with what we're saying there. Why isn't Howe considering playing Tino on the right wing? He's got the pace. And the attacking instincts, he started to piss him off. You know, just on that point as well, Simon, actually, I'm not Eddie Howe out, right? And Mark isn't either. But, and, and I've said this numerous times, right? You're allowed to criticise when you think he's not getting things right. I'm starting to lose a bit of confidence in him, to be honest with you, in his in-game management. Now, he got pulled out of the shit by, you know, his his, his younger brother, who's, was he, 40-odd or whatever, what the Matt Rich is these days. But, you know, yes, people are saying, oh, Newcastle have got the spirit, the fight back and it what else annoys me as well that there's more people having a wank off than Matt Ritchie scored and he's kicked the corner flag than how shit we were at the weekend. You know, people seem to completely forget the fact that we were, we were stinking, we were horrendous. And had it not been for Debravka's brilliant goalkeeper, we would have lost that game. I and mean, do you know what we deserve to lose that game? Then Bournemouth fans would have travelled back down the South Coast going, God, they were shit the day we should have battered them. You know, and, and rightly so. They you know they absolutely deserve to say that. I've seen a few people compare us to Eddie Howe's Bournemouth. You know, which yeah. is just r- running with no purpose, no defensive discipline, no midfield discipline, too many injuries, all this other stuff. It seems to be going round and round again like you had at Bournemouth. And I'm not saying I want him out, right? But remember when he first came, Mark, and all of the mainstream media were saying, will he be Newcastle's Mark Hughes? If he keeps picking players like Byrne and Miggy, they keep costing us, you know, points like they are, <clears throat> then he fucking will be Newcastle's Mark Hughes. And we will upgrade to a better manager who's got a pair of balls that can drop players who are off form because 
it doesn't matter if you want them to be your fucking friends, Eddie. They're not playing good enough. You need to drop them. The Arsenal game is not really one to, to, to do it in, in my opinion. I think we'll get pumped regardless. I think I wouldn't throw Isaac and Willick in that, even if they said they were fit. I wouldn't even bother. I'd wait to Wolves. Um, we'll get battered off Arsenal regardless, right? But if we just went to Newcastle to scrape a 1-0 win, wouldn't it? With Miggy getting the fucking winner, probably. No, no, no. no <laughs> just, 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 to <laughs> just to piss us all off. But my point is, just on the close on the manager, Mark, you know, he's got so much credit in the bank here, but don't take the piss. This is the time where you've got to earn your paycheck as a manager and you've got to make tough decisions. You can't, these guys can't be your mates every week, right? You know, it's ha he's happy to hook off Louis Miley at half time or Lewis Hall at half time. But when is he going to start making these decisions about these guys? You know, Arsenal for you, mate. Does Burn have to get dropped? At least Burn, if not Mickey? Yes. Um, on, on Eddie, quickly. Um, look, a lot was made about the fact that he went all over the world to, to, to go and look at other managers and, and their style of management and, and what he's done. He seems to have forgotten an awful lot of that. And, and I'll, the analogy of Bournemouth thing is is almost bang on because the Newcastle are great at times going forward. They're quite open. They're, they're like this this sort of high intensity play, but defensively completely suspect. And that was exactly Bournemouth towards the end. Um, the, the Mark Hughes thing, you'll know exactly when the Mark Hughes moment kicks in because he'll bring off one of the he'll bring on one of the goalkeepers off the bench to play up front instead of centre forward. <laughs> was that David and James? Anybody remember when he brought David James on up front for the last couple of minutes of the game? Honest to God. And man. then and then he committed ABH on some centre half, didn't he? Or something? Yeah, I remember absolutely that. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, absolutely it was the just... most bamboozling decision I've ever seen. But yeah, nice. there's your moment. If if we if we certainly. Certainly seen Gillespie coming on up front for Isaac with 10 minutes to go or something stupid, then and we know the end is nigh, I think. Um, exactly. Davey's saying, um, you know, burn against Arsenal, he likes Tino and he would play him, but he thinks Eddie will stick with Big Dan. Well, if he, if he sticks with Big Dan and then uh, in five minutes we're doing the old Simpsons, stop, stop, he's already dead when Saka's run rings round him there because there's no Joe Linton to wipe your ass this time, mate. You're on your own, so I, you know, be interesting what happens there. Part of me has a there's a sneaky suspicion in me that he'll go five back, five at a back, and he'll drop burn into the middle with with Botman sort of and Shaw. Lascelles probably at this rate. No, Lascelles, I would say. Oh, was Lascelles, um, and and partly because of that, and, and that's where I met because he, he's then reliant on um, on a real part time centre back pairing, um, and I just think. That, that might give Newcastle a little bit more st defensive stature. I, I, I hate to see it. And, and I know Bruce got absolutely pilloried at, at times for, for doing five at the back. But he was playing five at the back against some of the weaker teams in the in the league. But sometimes it, it might just be a change just to, to always give him play wing backs. Um, to try and counter and push back the likes of, of Saka and Martinelli, keep them engaged in the game more defensively. But I don't know. Uh, I, I, I don't see him doing it. I don't see him changing that. Um, but I think Tino's got to play against Saka. Saka's on form. And if anything... Arsenal are on form. Arsenal scoring goals for what, fun, Saka's, Saka's biggest, biggest trait is to cut inside. But he's got a lot more end product than than Miggy has when he does it. Putting a right footer up against him, 
I've got more end product than Mickey does. We're 170 Premier League games behind him. We've nearly got as many assists as him. Um, exactly, mate. But uh, I think a right footer against Saka, as, as Saka tries to cut in, I, I, I think could work could work well because it gets him on his strong foot if he does do that. So I, I think he, that's got to be the change. It really does. Um whether he, he, he'll do it or not, I don't know. If Isaac's fit, if, he, if he's properly fit, I play him and I play Barnes and Gordon. But if Isaac's not quite there, you, you don't risk him because then you, I'd, you're, I'd you're running the more. risk of him being out for the rest of the season. Yeah. If, if, he's, if he's on the bench, great. On the bench, bring him on for 20 minutes or something like that. But I'd save him for Wolves. Just one last thing on Eddie and we'll move on because uh, we're nearly done an hour here because I think I've been ranting too much. Um, Decker saying it's been the last few games for him with Howe now. Seems pig-headedness. Well said. It is pig-headedness. Uh, he needs to give his head a shake. It's too obvious we're failing week in, week out. I totally agree, mate. He needs to sort this out or that... Um, credit will erode. Uh, hands up. Thanks, Luke. I got it wrong. Ah, Stuart Pearce. Yes. I apologise, Mark Hughes. I, I genuinely thought Poor it was Hughes. Mark Hughes. There you go. <laughs> it was still a ridiculous thing to do. Yeah, well, Bangladesh Dave says we're spot on. Thank you very much, Dave. We appreciate that. So, so moving uh, moving on to, to, to the next one. I mean, there, there, was, um, there was one player who, who came out of this with a little bit of credit at the weekend. And it was it was Louis Miley. We'll, we'll go quick on, on on Miley's magic. He dropped into that number six role, um, and he looked really good at the start of the game. It was probably one of his most confident, accomplished kind of uh, performances for Newcastle. I felt Mark just looking at his stats. I mean, his total passes were only seventy seven percent out of his seventy four passes. Uh, sorry, big pun. His, his accurate passes uh, out of um, fifty two, he got forty on target, seventy seven percent with one key pass. But because he was trying more, your passing stats are always going to drop a little bit because you're, yes. you're being a bit braver on the ball. Uh, in terms of long balls, uh, he got three on target out of his five. He was spraying them around really well. Um, he, he won nine of his 12 ground duels, three of his three aerial duels, um, two interceptions, six tackles, which is uh, is a brilliant performance for the young lad. He, he looks like he's grown in confidence every single game. I keep seeing everybody... Talking about Kobe Mainu for for England and all that, and I love the fact that it's almost just as quick as a flash. There's just Newcastle fans just running and go when Louis Miley wiped his ass with us in James's Park, and because everyone keeps talking about Mainu for England. But if Louis keeps playing like this, another thing that's getting on my tits of this a bit as well, and we'll get into the injury returns in a second. But everybody's so quick to drop Louis Miley. He's tired. He needs a rest. Willick's going to be back. Drop him. Drop him. Drop him. I'm sorry, but. Louis Miley's offering more to this team right now than Sean Longstaff is, mate. If, if Willick is fit for me, Sean's on the bench and Louis Miley continues in midfield. What, what would you take on Louis at the weekend and obviously what I've just said there? He, I mean, he yeah, he, he, he would get my man of the match for the weekend. I, I thought he was really, really good. Um, some of his passing was, was, was really very good. Um, the, the ball that he plays first half out to, um, out to the left, he sort of dissects the the defence to, to play the ball out to Harvey Barnes, it was an exceptional pass. And it just shows his his range of passing. And he's growing. He, you know, he, and he's going to make those mistakes. He's going to... You you have to allow him to do that. You, you, you've you got to give him the benefit of the doubt when he's, he, he's going to make those 
you know, those those small mistakes. He's not quite going to be in the right area. His touch might let as, him down. As Decker says there, he's not even filled out yet. Wait till he fills out. He could nah. be a fucking monster if he fills out, hits the gym with that, man. You know, Jesus he, he could be. You know, it, there's a lot made about his, his, his lack of pace, um, but he, he does glide a little the bit brain, over, over the tip. The brain, his, his brain gets him in the positions. And there's an awful lot of, uh, of footballers that have got by with, with very little pace, but their ability to... Their ability to um, to read the game better than everybody else around him. Um, man of the match for me, yeah, absolutely. I think in our our poll on um, in the community tab, he's, he's currently one um, percent ahead of Bruno for the weekend yeah. with thirty eight percent. So I think that's the overriding um, the overriding uh, thoughts of of his performance. He was the he was the bright light, I think, at the weekend. I think it has been this season. Uh, Kev's saying we need a nickname for him. Should we call him Cyrus? <laughs> I don't know. We'll call him some kind of nickname for him. But uh, I think they just call him Lou, don't they? That, that seems to be what Sean Longstaff calls him. Or uh, what you should call him is uh, all yours, mate, is what you probably should call him, and then just sit down on the bench probably. But uh, I think, yeah. I think for me, you know, Sean's saying that our reliance on the 17-year-old this season is almost... Tragic, but but you know if you're good enough, you're old enough, Sean. I mean, you look back at Everton, you know, with with Wayne Rooney. I know Everton at that time were you know kind of underdog side and all this sort of stuff. But you know when that 16 year old exploded on the scene, I'm not saying that Louis, you know, <laughs> what, what Wayne Rooney was, but when a kid like that comes and just go, you go, wow, Jesus Christ, he's he's here already. You know, I think we've just got to embrace it, man. You know, and, and I just think that the more football that he has, the different types of games that he has. Um, we've seen different clubs in his back, haven't we, Mark, in terms of that ability to get forward and put that through ball in for Rizak. Now we've seen his defensive discipline in Paris. Uh, um, you know, we've seen his goal against Fulham. He can finish. And now, we're, you know, at the weekend, we kind of saw a bit of a mixture of everything. Lovely through ball over the top. I think to Gordon was a little dink ball over. Gordon ran through the pace. And you look at the pace on our side with Gordon, with Barnes, with, with Isaac. You know, I mean, even the headless chicken fucking Almiron can run. You can't do that with it. But, um, you look at players with pace, you know, and Tino as well, and Lewis Hall, if he ever gets out of cryostasis, you know, he could ping a ball, Louis, you know, 25, 30 yards to these guys to run onto and get in behind teams. And, you know, for me, that is a skill that, that Longstaff, unfortunately, isn't offering right now. You know, Sean is stuck between the devil and deep blue sea. Is he an attacking midfielder? You know, I wouldn't say Lampard general. He's never going to be that quality. But someone like a Kevin Nolan type, is he that type of midfielder where he wants to get and get goals? Or is he um, a box-to-box midfielder like, you know, you know um, Joe Linton or Deli Alley in his prime? He doesn't look like he's either, really. And then he doesn't know what he wants to be. So Sean has to decide where he wants to play and then stick to that position. And if he can make that position his own, then great. You know, but for me, Louis Miley can't come out of the team, Mark, when Willick's fit. I'd go Bruno, Willick and Louis Miley, for me, as the three midfield. Yeah, I mean, look, I, th- I think an awful lot of the time, Miley and, and Longstaff are, are too similar to be in the same side. They want to be slightly forward. They, they, neither really, I don't think, want to sit in that six role. Miley's done it very well over the two yeah. games. I think he, he showed he can do it. And maybe that is his, his position in the future. But he looks very adept in being that in that sort of gap in between midfield and defence and, and those little through balls that he plays, the, the couple that he's played to, Isaac have been absolutely exceptional when he's been in, on the edge of the box and he, mm. he just takes up good positions in the area. Um, good yeah, comment from Tank about Anderson. Sorry, Anderson's still to come back, isn't he? 
And, uh, you know, if Anderson comes back and gets anywhere near where he was tanked before he got injured, that's another great option to have as well. And and a, uh, a very flexible player, Mark, that can go in the front three or the midfield as well, isn't it, with, with Anderson? Yeah. You know, the, and it's an interesting thing, because I think we touched on this last week. If, if Anderson had been fit, would, would we even have seen Miley? Probably not. It and we, we might have been saying exactly the same things we're saying about Miley, but Anderson having that breakthrough, um, that breakthrough period... But I, I, I think you're right. I, I, as much as there's a, a clamouring to rest Miley, and, and I do think he does need time out. He does need the odd game where he, he he's, he's maybe he's not starting because he, he needs to he needs to be fresh. He needs to be allowed time to re- recover. And I, I, I guess what helps at the moment is it one game a week, so that's not really too much of a demand on him. But yeah, he does he does need to, some time out. Um, but he's of the two of them, he's in much better form. Yes, Longstaff scored a couple of goals last week with it that that really paper over the cracks a little bit. Um I think generally speaking, Longstaff's been fairly poor. He's still getting into positions sort of forward, but he, he's not done an awful lot. His shooting does let him down um a, a great deal. His passing isn't the best, although he did play that brilliant ball through to to Miggy um, on Saturday, which I've got to give him a lot of credit for. Um, But generally speaking, of the two of them, I'm picking Miley at the moment because I just think he's he's in far better better form. Yeah, Ty is uh, running for the Dan Byrne of the podcast tonight as he's late. Uh, (laughs) The three of it. Better late late than never, mate. Better late than never. But uh, so, yeah, I suppose moving on, we'll we'll kind of rattle through the rest of them here. We might be on until bloody midnight at this rate. But uh, I think we'll we'll, we'll kind of drop the injury returns because we've kind of covered that anyway, mate. So, so obviously, Anderson looks like he's not too far away. Willick and Isaac are very close. We've already talked about whether we play them or not. Um, against Arsenal, me personally, I wouldn't. Uh, if they're on the bench, great, it gives you some options. If we can hang in the game, then maybe try and come on and nick it 1-0 or something like that. But but the, the other place to kind of move to, I think, is, is the story everybody's talking about, uh, the Ashworth saga. So all the journalists are talking about it. Some thick as men's Manchester United podcasters are also talking about it and getting the sums all wrong. But uh, everybody's talking about it. And, and obviously, Dan Ashworth now has officially been, been put on garden and leave. Um and the club have talked about it. They said they're disappointed, but it looks like they're, they're being quite hard line with it, Mark. And, and Ashworth can even be on guard and leave for up to two years if Man you don't stump up and pay. What What is your take on this one, buddy? Um, yeah, I, if they want him, they've got to pay. And if they're not willing to pay what Newcastle want from them, let them sit on guard and leave. I know it's cost an awful lot of money um, in, in terms of what his, his, his wage will be. But he signed, what is it, six million that Newcastle paid Brighton for his services, and he sat on garden and leave for six months or whatever it was. Um, let him sit, let him let him stew, and and if 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 Newcastle, are, sorry, if Manchester United aren't willing to pay, then tough. They 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 want him so badly, they have to they have to come in and and put the money where where their mouth is at this point, and they're not going to get him for peanuts. I think Newcastle are going to play hardball with it. Um, not as as, as one um, podcast put today that, that they're throwing their toys out the pram. Yes, they'll be upset that he wants to go um, so quickly into into this project. Um, but 
yeah, if you want them so badly, you've, you've got to pay. You've got to pay the price. Um, Marcus Offerman has gotten in leave one year. I, yeah, I mean, he's he's had. As somebody put earlier on, I think his his garden must be absolutely immaculate. The amount of time he's had on on garden leave, it's ridiculous. Um, Niall, I think somebody I read earlier on something like one and a half million a year, maybe if if not more than that. Um, it's an extreme amount of money, but it's probably north of that. To be fair, um, Kevin, oh, he's gone. Yes, uh, he is on his way. I, I would I'd imagine, even if it's not straight to Manchester United. Um, but then, yeah, I completely agree. Um, if he if he wants to go, yes, they've got to take an awful lot of the of the deadwood with him. I think that's um, that's that's a very good point. Uh, George, uh, no go. Cardinal leave. No more fifty-five million players will get banned. <laughs> Who gives a fuck? No, I, I can't disagree there. It's um, it's, it's just chuckling at some of these comments, Chris. Um, Sorry, I'm just had a nip. I'll yeah. just do something quickly there. So no, I'm that's back. cool. I'm back. Um, yeah, I mean the, the whole thing with the whole thing with Ashworth really is um, I mean. If you look at him, he's, he, he, I think I said this in the video that we did, didn't we? Everyone changes jobs for a better package or, or a different project or whatever it may be. Um, he did come out in November and give a big licks about the project. He looks a bit of a hypocrite now in February that he's, he's fucked off. And, yeah. you know, he knows these guys at Man United really well, the guys that have come in. <laughs> Contrary to what some of these complete fucking moron Manchester United fans are saying on social media, which is completely rancid, by the way, at the minute. Social media... Is becoming worse and worse. It's a bit like a massive shit in the services that just won't flush. You just decide to get in your car and go piss in a bush somewhere. Imagery. That bad. Thanks for that. Yeah, imagery. Yeah, sweet dreams to you, mate. But but yeah, it's just um, you know some of these Man United fans are so fucking off off the, off the pace with it. They just don't understand what they don't even know how much of a stake fucking Sir Jim Radcliffe even has in that club. Some of them think he's bought the fucking thing outright. Um, and then he dropped a C bomb there. I'm not another podcast. We did one the other week, actually, which I caught them out for, but we don't do that. Mark tells Mark will give me a yellow card about that. Is Dennis Wise still available? I fucking hope not, Ty, because he's a very small man, as Deck would say. Uh, exactly, exactly, Kim. But but yeah, I mean the whole Ashworth thing for me is he obviously doesn't want to be here. He's obviously been talking for a while. Technically, they've kind of <laughs> yeah, yeah, had a water by a garden there. <laughs> that sounds like a euphemism, that way. Um, but yeah, he's he obviously had his head turned more money. Whether we like it or not, Man United is a bigger club than us. Whether we like it or not, that is true. They are a bigger club than us commercially. They are a bigger club than us in terms of trophies and everything else. Uh, but let them get on with it. Let them enjoy the dumpster fire. You know, these guys, I'm sure, have got somebody else lined up because they wouldn't have put them on guard and leave as quick as they did if they didn't mark with the. I think they've got somebody else in the bag. Well, more than anything, and kind of Marcus hits the nail on the head, I think that's a bit. He's been too short a period, gained a whole lot of intel through the PIF operation and, and guaranteed they won't make it. He's absolutely right. And I think that's part of the reason why you get him on garden and leave now. You get him out of the club, you get him away, you revoke his access to um to, to all of the kind of um the information that you've you've built up through him. Um that's not his personal information. You don't give him access to anything now because if he is going. He, he, you, you take away everything that you, you possibly can from them. You can't take it with him. Um, so Newcastle have to play hardball. They, they, absolutely right that they they cannot allow somebody to go that's managed to amass whatever information he can from one club so quickly in such a short space of time 
to go for for next to nothing, um, and it is going to cost them a lot of money. I'd, I'd be I'd be surprised if it was twenty million, um, but well, I would be believing them for every every penny you can get out of them. Two words, mate. Jesse Lingard. Remember that one on loan? Was the one fifteen yeah. million quid? Fuck them. Um, Kev saying interesting. Brighton done better with Ashworth. Maybe the same for us. It's it's a funny one because I mean everybody saw us doing the rounds on on the socials and everything. Um, who's that tit on Sky Mark, the agent that you can't stand? What is he called? The one who lies through his teeth. That, oh, hey, Cabot, is it, it Cabot called? That's, that's the... him. He's a fuck, what a fucking moron. But he turned around, they pulled up this grid, this infographic grid of the Brighton players that he signed and the Newcastle players that he signed and the players that they put on there. Ashworth had nothing to do with them. Bruno, Botman, Isaac, um, didn't have anything to do with them. Uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. It's Joe Litton saying, you know, <laughs> I know Joe Litton would have his, his mate Bruno's back. But it's true, though, that he didn't sign these players. And even the young players that we've got now, uh, Minter, he didn't spot Minter either. Steve Nixon spotted him. So, you know, all of this this praise that he's getting, I've got no doubt that Dan Ashworth is good at what he does because so many people wouldn't pick him up if he wasn't, right? But the top and bottom of it is, he's not this fucking footballing Einstein that everyone is giving him credit for. And, and quite rightly, Kev says there, Brighton have moved on without him. You know, Brighton went and got the Zerbi. Brighton went and got some great young players that they've brought in from all over the world with our scouting network and everything else. We could do the same. I saw a Brighton fan um, tweet earlier saying um, Newcastle laughing all the way to the bank like Brighton for getting money for a glorified cheerleader. So that uh, that tells me that tells me that maybe he's not all that. You know what I mean? But listen, he's not our problem anymore. He doesn't want to be here anymore. Don't let the door hit the arse on the way out, Dan. Off you fuck. We'll get somebody better. Fuck him. I, I have nothing to add to that. Absolutely not. That would have been my exit interview for you as well, Dan. So, yeah, well, fuck it. Don't hit in the arsenal way out, son. But, right, we'll move on. We'll move on because we've been up for quite a while. So, we aren't out of tune now. The, the last part of the show where, obviously, we talk about things non-Newcastle United related. And we actually had quite a quiet out of tune uh, lined up. Then it all went a little bit mad, really, didn't it, Mark? It all kind of exploded a little bit. So, so I suppose the, the first place we'll, we'll, we'll start. We're going to start on, I suppose, um, a serious topic. Um, and a bit of, a, I suppose, a bit of a somber one as well, which is the uh, the announcement of, of Roy Hodgson stepping down at, uh, at Crystal Palace. Uh, obviously, Roy has not been in the best of health uh, of late, as, as as people have probably seen. I mean, he's no spring chicken, as Roy. He's done a fabulous job um, at, at Nottingham Forest uh, and and obviously throughout his entire football career. Christ, I remember Crystal, uh, Crystal Palace, Chris. Yeah, what's that, sorry? Crystal Palace, not Nottingham Forest. Oh, beg your pardon, Jesus Christ! It's because it's because I'm looking so. I think I got mixed up with Brian Clough there. Sorry, Roy. Uh, Crystal Palace, but he's yeah, he's 76 years old. He's been going for fucking ages. And I think he managed Jesus' Sunday League team. I think it'd be fair he's been going that long as Roy. But you know, I remember him managing Blackburn and bloody in the in the Milan, didn't he? You know, when he tore a bit of course, he wasn't very good. Maybe not one of his, his greatest hits. But but no, I think to be fair. He, he does need to retire, uh, as well as, as some of the guys are saying in, in the comments there. Ian, yeah, absolutely. He's, uh, he is a proper gent, as well as Decker says. He was always very complimentary about Newcastle as well, was Roy. Um, I think he did a decent job as England manager. I think he got a lot of shit unnecessarily. Thus is the price on the ticket. But your health's more important, Mark, isn't it, than, than, than football? Yeah, look, he's, he's had a ridiculously long, a long career. Um, he's managed across Scandinavia he's managed internationally he's managed Liverpool and Crystal Palace and, and, and England and you've just got to you have to take your hat off to him for, for a manager to have lasted that long in the game 
Um, and the job that he did at Palace was was exceptional when he came to back in and, and and sorted them out. But his his time was you know his time had come. Uh, it's time to try and just enjoy the enjoy your last hopefully twenty odd years or whatever because it's you've spent an awful lot of time under such high pressure. Just go and relax now. Just go and enjoy it. Go and watch games just for the sheer enjoyment of it. And and to be fair, um, responsible for probably the best off-camera clip ever when he told the reporter not to stop taking the piss, which uh, which was brilliant because he, he went from Roy, Roy Hodgson to like a crazy, uh, crazy henchman in, in one shot, didn't he as well? But, uh, but yeah, good luck to Roy in, in retirement. Uh, there was another manager who uh, has lost his job. Uh, I feel sorry for him because he lost his job Cindy left him, uh, you know, he lost the calf. Phil Mitchell was was mean to him. I'm obviously talking about Ian Beale, sorry, Michael Beale, uh, as Keith Downey referred to him as on Sky Early, which was absolutely superb. Yes, the unwashed are looking for a new manager. Um, Ian Beale has gone after uh, just 12 games in charge. Uh, I wonder what the feedback is for, for Michael Beale on, uh, on this one, Marky. Uh, he didn't look like the right man for the job at all, really, did he? Uh, we pumped him. Without breaking sweat, he wouldn't even shake one of his own players' uh, hands when he come off at the weekend. So he kind of knew the right was on the wall, mate. But uh, not surprising, really, is it? Uh, no. What is it? Six defeats in tw- in those twelve games. He started off badly with a three nil defeat at home, and it's just never really improved. And and there are there are shambles again. Shock. We're so sad. Um, it's just yeah. I, I mean, it was. I think the writing's on the wall. I don't think their fans ever, ever wanted him. To be fair, they didn't want, want Mowbray to go in the first place, um, but they never wanted him. Um, so, yeah, uh, it's it's not a massive shock, that one. <laughs> so I'm just laughing at the comment there from Mark. I said they want Roy Keane back long. They do. I can imagine, they, they I can, I can imagine Roy Keane saying, do me a favour, do me a favour. But to be fair, I do quite like Keane. Um and I think he even said on the was it the overlap uh, that he thinks he's just more interested in the media stuff now. So kind of blame him. Who wants the hassle of being a manager? Fuck now. You know what I mean? It, it can go from you know uh, you to, you know uh, euphoria to fucking uh, destitute in, in, in a week or two, kind of really. So why would you bother? No, it just I mean he's got it cushy now, hasn't he? You're not yeah. gonna unless you've got a burning desire to get into it quickly, then. He's, he's the best place for him. He, he can earn earn a fortune doing what he's doing and not have any pressure whatsoever. I know which one I'd rather do. Well, absolutely. Well, speaking of, of, of Sunderland managers and former Sunderland managers, there's another former Sunderland manager who's feeling the heat a little bit at the moment, and that is old Davy Moy. So regardless of winning West Ham, their, their first trophy in God knows how many years, uh, by winning, uh, what was it again, the PC World Cup or something like that, he won the Europe uh, Conference. Uh, but like, there was, was the one with the Total Cup that we won, I think, years ago. But no, I'm only joking, West Ham fans. It was a European competition. Uh, Moyes is under real pressure. Fans have started turning and slipping down the table, losing games. Um, and they're, they're shouting for him out, mate. Yeah, no, they, they didn't win quite the the Anglo-Italian Cup as it as it used to be. That that would have been uh, probably a good analogy. But uh, he's, they've been awful, absolutely awful. The last, particularly the last few weeks, they they were doing all right. Um, things look to be going in the right direction. They'd signed some good players, the likes of War Prowse and stuff. But they're just shocking. Absolutely abysmal. They haven't got. They don't look like they know what they're doing. Um, and Moyes looks 
like Moyes at the end of his tenure again, where he, he's, the writing is is on the wall for him. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, I don't think it'll be too long. One or two more defeats, and he's he's out the door. Yeah, I, I don't know if you saw it. Actually, um, there was a brilliant um, couple of West Ham clips from from the, the kind of social media podcast. There was there was one when a fan was getting interviewed outside the ground. I don't know if it was the same West Ham fan channel actually, but if it is, they've got some absolute golden banter. Um, they were talking about Calvin Phillips, obviously a player that we all championed really hard. What to sign is our number six. He's had an absolute stinker at West Ham. Obviously got a red card the other day, and uh, one of the West Ham fans was getting interviewed outside the ground. It's a brilliant clip. And he just, uh, apologies for the crap cut in the accent, but he just says, uh, he said, oh, Calvin Phillips had a fucking mare, mate. He says, he come on, he's fucking made two big mistakes. He, went, he got a red cord, Yorkshire Perlow, he's a fucking Yorkshire pudding, mate. <laughs> Which I thought was absolutely brilliant, to be fair. And then the second one was even better than that. It was uh, James Ward-Prowse, who they've also turned on. And it was, so it was almost like a um, meet the, well, a talk to the lads type thing. I think the two really do something similar. Um, and the guy was talking and he said, the only way that James Ward-Prowse is going to beat David Beckham's record is if he fucks two Spice Girls, <laughs> which, which was just slayed me, completely not slayed me. So you've got you've got to give it to the West Ham yeah. fans, but keep the sense of you. That's absolutely superb, is that? Yeah, in, in the space of, of, of kind of what's going on, if you can maintain that humour, then yeah, you, you've oh, got to take mate. it out after them. They're just brilliant. But those two lines, just just phenomenal. Absolutely superb, absolutely <laughs> superb. There is um, so um, there is a, a, a bit of news as well, actually, about um, Nottingham Forest. My Freudian slip earlier on as well. Uh, a bit of news that Gary Neville's not very happy about either. It's uh, it's uh, somebody who heralds from this uh, neck of the woods, Mark Clattenburg. I've done him a real favour there by putting the Getty images up of him from about twenty five years ago. Mark, so you're welcome there. Uh, he's currently the referee on the Gladiators, um, and he's he's also taken a, a, another job. Uh, which I can't get my head around this really, Mark. I mean, I mean, this is a weird thing, isn't it? So, so basically, he's got a job uh, on the on the the backroom staff of Nottingham Forest to, I think, help them with their relationship, isn't it? The relationship in terms of understanding referees. So he's offering them a kind of referees insight into why referees make these kind of mistakes. I'm trying to find the exact name of the job. Um, what have they called it here? Let's have a look here. So. He's been appointed to, yeah, <laughs> improve understanding and relationships is, is, is what his role is. And Gary Neville has, has taken umbrage to this and said he's not very happy. Um, I mean, you know, he's upset everybody in the Midlands. Gabriel Bongle Hall, Nottingham Forest. He's just on a run as Gary Neville in the Midlands. Just keep driving through there, guys. Don't stop, mate. Don't, don't stop for a <laughs> week. Just hit <laughs> the Watford gap, mate. Keep going. Um, but what would you take on this thing? Is this a step too far, like Gary Neville says, for Nottingham Forest? Do you think this is a weird, it's a weird one? one, isn't it? I mean, let's be fair, this is a referee who openly admitted that he once gave Manchester United a corner because Roy Keane shouted at him. Because it just, I mean, I mean, that kind of tells you what you, what you need to know. He's, like, he was one of the better referees at one point. I mean, that's, it's a thin, it's a thin sort of market for them. But he, he did okay for it for a time. It just seems like an odd an odd appointment, an odd thing to bring them in for. It seems very much like a... I think Gary Neville said it right. It's a, it's a God, woe is me. Things have things have gone against us a couple of times. So, you know, we, we need to, to prove that the, the world is against us and us alone. Everybody's getting the, 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 the shock and mis- mistakes from, from, um, from referees. You've only got to look at the weekend. There were 
there were penalties all over the place that, that weren't given. Um, I think when I looked at the weekend, um, was it Diego Jota got, got wrestled to the ground, almost WWE style? Ollie Watkins yeah. was taken down by a by a Fulham player. Um, there was another couple that I, I was looking at earlier on, and there there were some awful refereeing decisions at the weekend, and and ones that even VAR got involved at and, and completely completely ignored. Um, I think there was one actually it was on I think Nico Williams for 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 Forest where the 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 West Ham player stood on his foot and he, he he's obviously gone down. Um, and then there was I think Robertson in the back of Ivan Tony that was a complete charge into the back. So it's not just them that that's getting the the you know the the bad the bad decisions of this way. It just seems like a really odd odd thing to do as a club. It's yeah. I mean, I again agree with with Neville. It's it's on the owner. This is his. This is kind of his whinge, isn't it? It's weird. I agree with what Luke's saying there. We'll put pressure on, on the refs of the fuck up against Forrest because I think that Clattenburg is going to be kind of analysing the, the decisions, really. Um, so so it, it is it is a very, very strange one. I mean, I, I don't really understand why he's, he's he's doing this as well, Mark. I mean, he's obviously retired from, from, from refereeing. As I said there, he's um, he's, on, he's on the Gladiators now on, on, on BBC. And, uh, you know, it can't be that bad, Mark. Surely the gladiators. I mean, I, I'm sure I'd rather be looking at this last than Nuno Espirito Santos, mate. I mean, I can. I don't. It can't be that bad of a job, lad. Surely. Do you know what I mean? Wait, which one do you want shouting at you? There we go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If anyone has obviously listened yeah, to the audio, I've just I've just pulled up one of the very attractive gladiators. I was watching actually with uh, with the kids. I promise, I was watching because the kids wanted to watch it. Honestly, that's the of, only course reason. You were. Oh, of course not, you were. Of course you were. Not because of this last one, looks like Sharon Stone, who's went to the gym. Uh, I think she's, uh, what is she called? Sabre, I think she's called Sabre. I think it's Sabre or something. I haven't seen something. it. So. Yeah, but, but very attractive ladies on, on the Gladiators. And yeah, I've got no idea why uh, why um, Clattenburg wants to ditch that for the city ground. Yes, I do remember Jet Kev. Jet, who, 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 who was a teenage lad in the 90s and didn't remember Jet, mate? My word, unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, George is saying Sabre for DOM. I'm up for that, George. I'm up for that as well. Mate. Absolutely, mate. <laughs> what, what was that? Sorry. Lucas saying, uh, when's Gladiators on? Did you say go check the eye player, mate? Go check the eye player, buddy lad. Absolutely class. Absolutely class. But there is one last thing uh, for us to cover in out of tune. And uh, to be fair, this is a saga that's been running longer than fucking Star Wars. And it's uh, where will Kylian Mbappe end up next? Now, it looks like at last he might be going to Real Madrid. And this was the reported package that he's agreed to sign. Apparently, Florentino Perez, which says uh, translate in Spanish to utter shithouse, has already told the Real Madrid uh, team that the Mbappe signed. He's got Mbappe. And it's a five-year contract, a salary of 20 million euro a year, plus bonuses, 50 million signing on bonus, and a presentation planned at the Santiago Bernabeu. I think I speak for everybody, Mark, when I say just fucking get it done. We can't be asked. We're sick of it. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's one of those where we've kind of all known this is coming. Just get it sorted. Get him, get him there and get it done. And we can all stop talking about it or, or having it constantly. Oh, where's he going to go? He was never going to go to Liverpool. He was never going to go to Manchester United. He was never going to go to Manchester City or Arsenal. Yet they kept getting linked to him. He was always going to go to one place and one place alone because realistically, it's the only place that could afford to pay him what he what he wanted to get, and that was Madrid. 
Exactly. That's the only place. To be honest, never has a club and a player deserve each other more in this world than, than these two. You've got one club who's just ran by shithouses who want to run off and be in the European Super League. Uh, this club that any time they get anywhere close to going bust, the, the royal family of Spain just pump more money into them and keep them going and then they go and sign Jude Bellingham and whoever else they want to sign. So so Mbappe and them belong to each other. Just get on with it, you know, and, 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 and deal with it. You know, get it off everybody's radar. No one gives a shit, and we'll all be champion in uh, Erling Haaland for Ballon d'Or because we think uh, Mbappe's a shit house. <laughs> so there we go. Exactly, <laughs> and a great way, a great way to end it. So well, thank you so that. much. Yeah, thank you so much, all the guys in the comments there. We are getting on a little bit, so I'm sure a few have been dropped off and going to bed. But uh, thank you very much. It always helps the episode. We love having you guys in the chat. It's, uh, you host this as much as we do. We always enjoy having a good chat with you. And as I mentioned at the start, if you are new tonight, just check us out for the first time. I want to recommend this to any family or friends. Just have a bit of a giggle to cheer up this miserable world. Maybe this one wasn't a good idea because we're moaning quite a lot of it. But if you are Newcastle fans, I might appreciate that. Uh, because the game was shit at the weekend. Uh, so, yeah, recommend us. Smash that subscribe. Help get us to 7,000. Like the video, too. Help it grow uh, ever more. We're, we're still quite babies in terms of the whole YouTube and podcast world, but to reach 6,500, uh, 66 already in such a short time is amazing. <laughs> Thank you so much, Luke. You naughty lad. He's off to watch the gladiators. <laughs> Fucking happy, happy night to you, Luke. You enjoy yourself, buddy lad. Just uh, don't tell us what you got up to, mate, honestly. Don't pull a muscle. Stretch off first, mate. Stretch off first. <laughs> oh, that's it. Dear. I've gone down the rabbit hole on my way. Have a great evening, everyone. Thank you so much for watching Evermore. We'll be back uh, with some more previews. Uh, and some rants and thoughts, I'm sure, through the weekend. And obviously, we've got Arsenal at the weekend, which uh, we'll be watching through our fingers, and then FA Cup action the week after. So loads of content. Keep it ever more, guys. Have a great evening, especially you, Luke, and we'll see you later. <laughs> Take care, guys. See you. Cheers.